0: It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics.
1: Welcome to episode 549 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week features my fun interview with Garrett Gunn from Sourcepoint Press's successful series Good Boy. The book is described this way: Set in a world where humans and dogs are equals, Good Boy is a thrill-packed treat for anyone who loves action, dogs and good stories. Garrett and I talk about how the series came to be, about who the rest of the team is that he's working with, about the upcoming second collected edition and other projects Garrett is working on. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get through in this episode. So let's get on with the show. Great to welcome to the podcast, Garrett Gunn, one of the creators behind *Good Boy* from Sourcepoint Press, which has just entered its second volume. How you doing, Garrett?
0: Good, man. How are you?
1: Very good, very good. I caught up with you at the recent Megacon. You were yes. at the Sourcepoint, yeah. the Sourcepoint Press booth, and I uh, we ended up getting your books, and I got a chance to read them all, which I enjoyed. So, <laughs> well, why don't you give a, a, a brief summary of what *Good Boy* is all about?
0: Totally. Yeah, um Good Boy is uh our homage to the John Wick films. Uh Good Boy is the reverse John Wick. Instead of the uh dog dying, the human dies and the dog hunts down everybody responsible for his death.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that surprised me, I have to say. Now, <laughs> there's a funny I, I like the summary that was in the previews. Let me see if I can call it up super quick. Uh, good boy, It's actually the first four issues are in volume one already. So, okay. Uh, Flint, Sparks, and his human John, both former mercenaries, have settled down in a quiet retirement from an industry where the job is supposed to be forever. But unlike anyone before, they found a way out. However, this new life filled with peace and joy is not to be. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a comic. Uh, in the dead of night, some of their former colleagues who disagree with their decision to retire break into their home and murder John, leaving Flint alive in the bloody aftermath. They killed his human. He wants revenge. Yeah. That's the description. Now, the the, the first volume, I understand, is delayed. I, I, there's lots of paper shortages and stuff going on. So I'm not surprised to hear that. Uh, some of the uh, first issues are available. Uh, that's what we yeah, got we them.
0: actually, uh, we actually, like we had for a while. The trade had been delayed because of paper shortages, and just everybody is just having like the hardest time printing, especially trades because they take up so much paper, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, uh, as of today, we just found out they've already hit diamond uh, where the diamond warehouse, and they're being distributed to comic shops right now. Um, and uh, they just hit our warehouse. So they're finally here. I'm super relieved.
1: <laughs> so in this post, the stores should already have them. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Okay, very good. Very good. Now, you said that this is kind of a John Wick uh, inspired thing. Can you tell us how yeah. you guys came up with this concept?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so my co-writer, uh, Dr. Christina Blanche and I, um, we've been friends for a long time. And one of the first interactions that I had with her in person, uh, apart from just being friends on Facebook, um, is she was having a conversation with another colleague of ours. And I came up and I introduced myself and I was like, Hey, I was like, what are you guys talking about? And she said, Oh, John Wick. And I was like, Oh, I've never seen those movies. And she was like, well, you can leave this conversation and come back when you've seen them. And I thought she was joking and she was not. Um, (laughs) And uh, so I was like, I went home. I was like, I was so embarrassed. I went home. I watched all the movies right away. Uh, I messaged Christy, and I was like, oh my God, these are spectacular. You know, the thing, the thing that's funny about John Wick is that, you know, it should be terrible. It should be like, it's like a Nicolas Cage movie. You're like, oh, this is a train wreck but like for some reason it really works. Uh, and we just both, I mean, I, she was already a huge fan of John Wick at that point. I became a huge fan after seeing the movies. Um, and it just grew to be this cool thing that we had in common. Uh, and one day I said, you know, I'm surprised that nobody's ever done a parody of this. I'm surprised that nobody's ever just gone full crazy and be like, well, you know, we've done this human side. So let's, let's, let's let the dog have his day. Um, and I said, well, if I'm going to do this book, this John Wick book, I've got to bring on the person who shamed me for not having seen the movies. Uh, and so I hit up Christy and I said, Hey, I want to do this book. What do you think? And before I could even finish, she was like, I'm in. Um, mm-hmm. so after that it was, yeah, that was it. We just, uh, got right to work.
1: So what's your history as far as working with comics? Have you done comics before?
0: Yeah, I'm uh, so I've been in comics, uh, since 2012. Um, I, uh, I wrote my first book, uh, at the, at the guidance of my, uh, behavioral health specialist from when I was in the army. Um, I was, I was sort of given like creative writing as an outlet for therapy and I'd always been a fan of comics. And I was like, you know, I think instead of just writing these papers, they want me to write, I'm going to try to write a comic book. Uh, and I did. And then I went on to make it an actual comic and hire an artist and do everything, uh, and I just fell in love with it and luckily found publishers that were willing to publish my stuff. Um, and it just kind of snowballed, man. Like I've been doing it now. Oh my God, almost 10 years. Um, and I just recently, uh, became the chief brand officer and, uh, marketing manager of Oxy Media, which is the parent company of SourcePoint Press. Mm-hmm. So I went from just trying to make, make some comics for fun, uh, to getting to make comics my, my life and my career. So it's, uh, it's been a hell of a 10 years. That's for sure. There's
1: there's a lot of people would like to join you in that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, what other books have you done? You mentioned that you've done stuff before. What else have you done?
0: God, so much stuff. Um, I did uh, my first book I ever wrote was called Days to Come. Uh, it was a very small print uh, indie book. Um, after that, I did a book called Go West and the Fear Diaries, which were published by a company called Alterna. Um, then I went to source point, uh and i created a book called franklin and ghost which is uh currently being developed as an animated tv show starring billy bob thornton wow. uh sean Schemmel, chris Sabat, veronica taylor a bunch of other people um and then i did a book for billy bob thornton's band uh called the Boxmasters, masters and i just a number of other things since then i do a series called Warhorns: combat unicorns for hire good boy i have a new series coming out little red ronin weed gods it's a lot. I've done a, I've done quite a few books.
1: You often take do takes on certain uh, tropes that are going around. sounds like.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I really, I really enjoy the ridiculous and I really enjoy like, you know, I tell people all the time, like every story has been written, right? Like we all know that every story has been told. It's about how you can tell it a different way. Um, and I love to really lean into the like ridiculous, uh, a ridiculous approach to any story I tell. So
1: but we'd like to see something different. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, so your, your writing partner, she has written before.
0: Yeah. So Dr. Christina Blanche, uh, she did a book called the damnation of Charlie Wormwood, which is, uh, which was published by dynamite and is, uh, now published by source point press. um, she did some stuff in Tales from the Crypt. Um, and um, like she's got 40 million projects going on right now, uh, just, like the, just like I do. She's uh, my co-writer on a book called We Eat Gods that we're currently writing. And um, she, uh, she just everything I do, she's either editing it or she's co-writing it or she's doing something. I just adore working with her. So it's, uh, I try to keep her close by.
1: Great. Great. It's good to have somebody like that. Yeah. Who can give you kind of stuff because I function as an editor as well. And many times I sit and I, I, I tell people that's not funny enough. They, wanna, yeah. they want a funny page. And I say, I'm sorry, it's just not funny enough. You got to do something a little funnier. <laughs>
0: well, and, I love, I, I have a tendency to need to be reined in. Uh, Cause sometimes I get a little out of control with how crazy I get stuff. So Usually, uh, she's the one coming behind, cleaning up my messes. So it's definitely appreciated. <laughs> it's
1: the job of an editor to make you look good.
0: <laughs> yeah. I yeah. always
1: tell people, people. I know some people who are editors who think that their name should be the top. And I said, you don't understand the role of an editor. So we're like Batman. We prefer the shadows. <laughs>
0: Well, she definitely deserves the light. Uh she she does a lot for our stuff. Whether I mean the stuff that she co-writes with me is she makes a million times better, and the stuff she edits, she definitely makes better. <laughs> so it's uh it's great.
1: Well, talk to me about I- I'm curious as to you know, you, you talked you told me that you flipped the, the script on on this when I yeah, first talked yeah. with you. And I'm kind of curious because you know when you make dogs and humans on the same level, yeah. how far do you take a dog? How human do you make it as opposed <laughs> to you know'cause see that's the thing that i when I read this it it goes a certain point and then it doesn't they don't go nutsy animal they they they're a little more wild and a little more carefree as to what the decisions are. So I really like that about the book. And I was just sort of curious when you guys were putting the story together, did you have a, a play by play you wanted to follow a way that you wanted the, the animals to work and the humans to interact with them? How did you work that out?
0: You know, I think whenever I do something like this, I try to I try to go to the other end. Like what is the most ridiculous, right? Like what is, you know, what does this world look like where it's, it's completely normal that this, this dog partner, uh, and this human partner are working together and everything is exactly, you know, there's, there's nothing out of, out of sorts with that. Um, and, and instead of working, you know, the way that norm- most people would work where it's, you know, let's see if we can make this more ridiculous. We start at a hundred percent and then we dial it back where we think it needs to be. Um, you know, I, I, When we started out, we had a very uh, clear idea that we wanted this relationship between Flint and John to feel very special and to feel like they were brothers, like, you know, how two, you know, two normal human brothers would be, uh, you know, close and, you know, love each other and protect each other and everything else. Um, And we just, you know, I think I just sort of stopped Thinking about it as like Flint's a dog, you know, a humanoid dog and just started thinking of him as a human. Um, but then just, you know, we got the opportunity to bring in like some funny puns and, and some, some things that are obviously are, are reminders to the reader and to ourselves that, yeah, he's still a dog. Like there's still a, this is still, a, uh, this is still a, a dog and a human together.
1: Um, yeah. Kind of family.
0: Yeah, Exactly.
1: Because, you know, I've often read, if you can't treat a dog like family, don't get one. Exactly. And it's interesting to see because you you take that a little farther because uh, he can actually – Flint can actually do more as far as responding. There's a book out that – and I always forget the name of it – in which the the dogs and animals get the – they're able to talk. Yeah. And I, when I first read it, I looked down and I had a pair of dogs sitting at my feet when I was reading it and I looked down and I thought, what are you really thinking? <laughs> no, I was, yeah. I was interested in that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I think that there's a lot, I, you know, uh, one of the, one of the great books that came out or, you know, right before good boy came out was stray dogs and stray dogs, you know, gave us this glimpse into like, well, if dogs could talk to each other, this is what it, this is what it's like, and this is how they interact. Um, but you never really get to see how they interact with humans. And I think that it's, it's a really unique, um, you know, the relationship between humans and dogs, especially, uh, or just humans and pets, but mostly humans and dogs um, is I like, I feel like it's, Almost like what we want human interaction with each other to be. Like we we treat we we treat our our dogs like better most of the time than we treat other human beings, and I feel like it's like you know sort of uh, symbolic of what we what we wish we could treat other people like.
1: Well, they don't hide things; they are what yeah. they are, and we often exactly. wish that other people would act like that. And so that—that's one of the fun things about it. it's one of the reasons why we're so attached. You know, the old—I I keep seeing these mugs for sale. So I don't care in a movie which humans die as long as the dog lives.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: And that's the way we are with these things. Now, yep. Um, As far as the writing process, because there are a lot of people who listen to this who are either in the process of making a a book or thinking about it. How did you guys work together as far as putting the script together? Did you you do this? You you said that you put stuff down and then it got paired back. Is that how you wrote it? So,
0: uh, typically, I mean, I am, I, I try to warn anybody that I work with. Um, I like to say that I write like the Marvel method of Marvel method. Uh, you know, there's, there's a a huge lack of structure. Um, you know, traditional structure when I write a comic, it's not, uh, you know, page one, panel one, exterior shot, you know, medium close up. this character enters, blah, blah, blah. I like to write, Uh, a lot more like sort of like beats in a screenplay or like, you know, telling, telling the story, how I see it playing out in my mind, like almost like a movie. Um, And it's hard for a lot of people when when they're used to that traditional style of comic writing, especially it's hard for them to like process that. Um, And I've been lucky to surround myself with people who can operate on that same wavelength. So typically the process is that uh, I will get a harebrained idea Um, I will sit down and I will just vomit every idea I have, um, you know, onto this page and I'll, I'll say, here's, you know, here's what's happening. And then there's dialogue and then here's the dialogue. And then this is the next action and this is the next dialogue. Um, and then, you know, after I've gotten it all like out of my system, then Christy and I go back and go, well, this doesn't make any sense. Like we have to change this because this couldn't happen or that couldn't happen. You know, Christy will say, well, we should do this instead because she'll have a better way to play out a scene or a better way to write something that's happening or better ways to develop characters. So it's very much just like we, you know, there's this saying, I I don't know if there's cursing a lot on this show, but uh, you know, there's people say, you know, you throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's basically my approach. I get everything out of my brain first. And then we step back and look at it and go, well, uh, yeah, this is good. Like, this is good. Let's keep this stuff. Let's lose this. Let's do this. Let's change this. Um, but for me, I get sort of like, if I, I learned very early on, if I focus too heavily on like the, like the technical side of writing and not as much on just, getting the idea out there and having a good time, like have a good time creating something. Um, I get sort of bogged down and, you know, unmotivated by, you know, worrying about that. So I try to just be as free as possible with it and just get a crazy idea out and just put it down in one way or another. Um, Hmm. and then we all get to come back and look at it and go, well, this is something what do uh, what, what are we going to do with this? <laughs> um,
1: and so, what do you do when you? What, what did you give Kit Wallace, who was the artist? Did you did you have a script, or did you give her ideas and, and beats and stuff? How, how's that work?
0: Yeah, so we. I mean, we gave we gave Kit a script. Um, I remember the first time we talked to Kit about Kit and I had been working on a book uh, on my book Warhorns uh, at the time. And I said, you know, I told Christy, I said, I said, you know, I think if we're going to do this book, like I think it'd be fun to have Kit draw it just because everything he draws is just to the extreme and it's just crazy and nuts. Um, And all I remember is I sent Kit a message and I said, hey, we're, you know, we have this idea uh, to do this book that's reverse John Wick, but it's the dog that's killing everybody uh, to get, you know, revenge for his human dying. And he sent us a drawing. Like probably within a couple of days uh, of of him of this of Flint uh, walking away from an explosion, like holding this gun, and Christy and I both just looked at each other. We were like, "This is incredible! Like, like this is what is this?" Mm-hmm. Um, and we immediately like it sparked our like passion to like get it done so much more because it was like everything we've been talking about was just like on the page. And he just knew it right out of the gate, like what the character should look like, how he should, you know, move, how he should, you know, present himself, everything. And, uh, you know, by the time we got to giving him an actual script for the first issue, he had drawn the character so much just for fun that like he went into the script with just like like this character was already had been in his catalog for years, you know, there was no sort of like, I never felt like there was like a stumbling or a footing or like, like with, you know, when you watch a pilot, you know, of a TV show and you're like, you know, I I watched like the first season of Seinfeld and I'm like, man, they really did not find their footing until season two. You know, like when Kit came into good boy, it was like from page one, he was like in it and it just felt so Strong and so like raw and and awesome, um, and we really like tried to hit people pretty hard in the fields right off the bat in the beginning of the book. Oh yeah, um, and I felt like he just it was there, like the the art was just it just had a lot of that pain in it, and it was just great.
1: It's got a kind of mob feel to it, yeah, and, and, and a crime drama stuff in it what kind of dog is flint is he a german shepherd
0: yeah so flint's a german shepherd he's actually uh based on um i had a i had a ptsd service dog um a few years ago named kona who passed away and uh he's based on her um she like down to like little details like uh you know she used to like shove her face in the dirt in the yard and like she would get dirt in her mouth and then like it would make her lip catch on her tooth uh, and she always had like one tooth that would like stick out of her lip because of it. And so, like, that's in the character. You always see he's got this like left front tooth kind of sticking out of his lip. Right. Um, but yeah, he's a black and tan German Shepherd.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Cause he's, yeah. he's, he's, he looks like a police type dog to yeah. me. Yeah. And, and that's,
0: uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's definitely what, uh, what Kona looked like a
1: lot. Wow! Wow! Okay, so that's good because I was wondering if there was a reference. I I always ask people when you create characters, do you yeah. do you have them based on your imagination, or Are they based on something in real life? And it's good to know that's where the character came from was an actual life. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. How about that? That's really great. So <laughs> yeah. So got, now the thing about the book is, is that it's been actually quite successful because you got your first four yeah. issues all done. And yeah. out, and then like the, you said the trade is should be out by the time this post. And yeah. already you're into the second volume now. You didn't call them seasons. <laughs> I see yeah. a lot of people take calling them seasons, just yeah. But yeah. you call volume two. And yeah. I got to read the first one of volume two, and poor Flint is constantly trying to find something. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just never gonna find it, I don't think so. Uh,
0: well, you know, hold out hope because cause he's he's gonna find it. It's uh yeah, we actually we're actually writing Volume Three right now.
1: Um, I was going to ask about that if I can, because when I looked yeah. in the previews world and I saw Issue Four of Volume Two, yeah, I got concerned. So, <laughs> I don't if you know why I got concerned, there's, a, there's yeah. a description in there and it has something that I was concerned yep. about. Well, let me since it's public, I'll read <laughs> it and you can respond to this. Yeah, yeah. Flint, Abraham, and the rest of the demon dogs confront Tucker. This issue, Colin, everyone dies. Yep. Now, now, of course, then when I heard you doing the next <laughs> volume, I'm like, is this the <sighs> same dog, or is this going to have to do something different?
0: I I will say, you know, I, I obviously don't want to spoil too much. I will say that there's lots of ways that people can die. Okay. Without physically leaving this uh leaving this plane of existence. Okay. Um, But there is definitely plans. I mean, when we, you know, when we did the first volume, we didn't know how successful it was going to be. It was going to, you know, we thought, Hey, you know, we'll do this first one. It'll be fun. We get to make this fun comic and like, hopefully people dig it, you know? And there was a lot more with volume one. There was a lot more like leaning into like what we call like the wickisms. you know, like it was very, it felt very much like a John wick story. Mm -hmm. Um, and when that first volume came out, just even the Ashcan, like the preview, like the Ashcan sold out and we were like, Whoa, this is nuts. And then we got the numbers for number one and it was the highest selling book that I'd ever made. And you know, the second highest selling book that Sourcepoint had ever made. Um, and they, and they came to us after issue one of the first volume and they said, how much of this story do you want to tell? And I said, "Well, I've got six volumes outlined." And wow. they were like, And they were like, "Cool, go ahead." Uh, so there is, as of right now, six volumes of book planned. Um, we, you know, we, we're trying to make each sort of volume, you know, even though there is some continuing storylines throughout every volume, we want every volume to feel like a nice, big you know, start to finish chapter in, in the character's lives. Hmm. And like, you know, number one was very much about, you know, his vengeance for, you you know, against these people, you know, for hurting John and wanting to, you know, avenge his death. And then, you know, volume two is very much about, um, not just confronting the present, but confronting the past, um, and how it can, you know, sneak up and, It it can haunt you um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, not letting it, not letting the past destroy your future. Um, And volume three is uh, very much focused on the future and where things go after, you know, your past and present are handled. Hmm. Um, And there's, I think there's, we also try to kind of change the, the vibe, like change the feel of the books, you know, like, I felt, you know, we love volume one and I'm so pleased with how it did. And I'm so pleased with the reaction it got, but like with volume two, we felt like we were able to like put more heart into it. We were able to make it more us. We were able to make it more like, you know, it wasn't just a parody anymore. It was like the parody was second to the fact that it was just a good story. Um, And, you know, with volume three, the thing that we're finding out is that like, some of the things that we love about Flint um, can be sort of spilled into other characters and, you know, widening the universe that, that this, you know, story is set in and showing that it's not all just about this one dog. There is, you know, bigger things in, in play. Um, and it's awesome. I just, we're just going to keep making cool dog with gun stories until until people get tired of
1: them it, it makes me laugh is I always think about I don't know if you know Dave Peterson who does mouse guard oh yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and when I first ran across it, because I I always see these anthropomorphic mice that look like mighty mouse <laughs> yeah. and I never liked that I, I'm always like ah, yeah. that looks ridiculous when I first saw his mouse guard they looked yeah. like real mice but they could stand on their back legs and they could actually hold swords and stuff like that yeah yeah. I was I was entranced. I said, what, I what,
0: "What a beautifully drawn book!" Too like Mouse Guard oh. is like on another level. I mean, like honestly, it's like fine art. Like yeah. it's so crazy to me. He does book the is whole. Just thing.
1: He does everything. He he writes. He draws. He yeah. letters. Colors. It's just incredible. And the, the I, one time I was him, he says, "You know, I do these every once in a while just so people know I haven't died." <laughs> Because he disappears for while,
0: it's pretty great. Yeah,
1: he's gone for a while, and he wants to make sure that people know he's actually working on stuff. Although these days, what he does, he's doing these online things where he's coloring. He'll show people how he colors and stuff like that. Oh, so that's we, rad! We know how he's doing it and stuff like that. So I really like that. But you know, I, there's two things I always worry about with this book. I worry that one day Keanu Reeves is going to get a wind of this book and is going to say, "Hey, you're doing so well." and it's based on a a subject in which I was involved in. Um, am I going to get some of this?
0: (laughs) Well, uh, I will put your worries, uh, uh, to rest. Um, Keanu has, I know for a fact seen this book three times, um, because we have, we share some mutual friends, um, and those mutual friends have said, bro, look at this book. Look how cool this is. um, we're working on trying to get a quote from him right now because we've heard that he thinks it's pretty rad. Um, And uh, you know, we, as things often happen in comics, you know, when a comic starts to be successful, you start to look at other media and you start to look at how you can, you know, expand that story into more than just books and and comics. Um, And we've had some pretty, Awesome conversations, uh, with some people, including, uh, the creator of John Wick. Um, and I, I don't think that that's a concern.
1: Well, that's good. I I was very worried about that because, you know, (laughs) uh, Hollywood being Hollywood, every once in a while they go, um, if you're got success and it's based on something that I did, then, hey, I I want.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So I'm always worried about that. But uh, but you you touched on the other subject I was going to talk about was the fact that this could really work well on an Adult Swim type cartoon.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And yeah. I'm, I'm I'm curious because you know, see, you, you struck on something. Like I said, that business with the mug. The, as long as the dog survives, they don't care about the <laughs> humans. And I think there's a lot of people who are. I'm a big dog fan, there was a, a lady who uh, in a rescue who took in a dog that was pregnant, and they had all these uh, puppies. And I watched them like every day to see how they're doing. You know, I. I yeah, I what's yeah. going on? Because I worry about that. even yeah. though I've never ever been in the room with them. I what doing. And we have yeah. dogs here, of course, and they're they're uh, rescues. And so I'm yeah. I'm always curious as to you know I got to stay at the dog, and I'm interested, and that's why you know the, the John Wick movies <laughs> sort of bother us because of the the dog, in yeah, there. and yeah, but we kind of I, I'm just really interested as to see. Six volumes That's going to be really interesting If it's you're going already, to be a lot of fun, yeah Well, if you're dealing with the future in Volume 3 What are the other three volumes going to deal with? That's well, you're just, you're just going to have to wait and see Okay <laughs> i can't give away all the secrets right well yeah i don't expect that I, I, you <laughs> gotta read the book you know you yeah exactly do. so I, i'm so okay so let's well, let's talk about the facts um right now the uh i'm looking at the, the first issue of volume 2 came out on may 25 it did and the second issue is scheduled for june 29th yep Third issue is going to be July 27th, and the last issue of this particular series, August 24th, so about the last week of the month. Yep. If you get the previews, you're probably going to be getting good boy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, obviously, you guys are working ahead. Uh, As far as Volume 3, do you have any projected ideas to when Volume 3 might hit?
0: Yeah. So typically, the way that it works is uh, after the last issue of a volume comes out, we have a month-long break, uh, and then the trade comes out the next, the following month, um, and then we have a two-month break, and then the first issue of the next volume comes out. So we'll have if the if the last issue of volume two comes out in August, we'd have a break in September, October. The trade would come out. November, December would be our break. And then January would be, uh, the
1: start of volume three. Have you ever thought about doing a Christmas story?
0: You know, it's so funny that you say that because we actually planned on trying to do that this year. Um, we were going to do just a little short, like a Christmas, uh, just like a little Christmas ash can short, um, that we thought was super fun. You know, we do, we try with every volume that comes out, we try to do these, like we we have so many like talented friends in this industry and we try to always include those friends in like these short backup stories we do with every volume, you know, in the, in volume one we did, uh, we had a backup story by Trish and Tony, the creator of stray dogs, uh, Trish Forstner and, and Tony fleece. Uh, they did a backup story, Uh, and so did David Boer who writes Canto, uh, and Alex Moore was his artist. Um, and all of the backup stories are very, like, they're all like funny jokes that are like, or things that we think are humorous. Mm -hmm. You know, the Trish and Tony story was like, the whole concept is them arguing before a hit over what goes best with peanut butter. Um, and the story, like it's them arguing. And at the very end, John is like, well, (laughs) obviously the best thing with peanut butter is chocolate and, and Flint's like, dude, that's messed up. Like, why would you say that? You know, I can't have dark chocolate. Like that's, that's a low blow. And he's like, we're not done with this conversation. And they get out of the car, pull their masks down and like, go on this job. Um, This new volume, we had uh, one of our friends, John Jesperson, uh, who's uh, a comic retailer and a dear friend of ours. He and Doug Mankey, who, is a huge DC artist. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, currently drawing, you know, green hell and, and he's doing covers for little monsters for image. And he's drawing, you know, 40 million different DC books. Uh, You know, they teamed up and did a, a backup story about sort of the, this character who is like the gun person, the armor person, the special weapons, you know, James Bond Q character, um, and they sort of, they go to see this guy to get some new awesome weapon. And this guy's showing them mech suits and like crazy stuff. And at the end they're like, Oh my God, how much are these? And they're just guns. Um, <laughs> like that's, we try to do that stuff with every volume that comes out. And this time we said, you know, how funny would it be if we did a, just like a Christmas special, uh, and just did a little funny, silly, uh, Christmas book. And, Everybody loved it. Everybody was like, oh, man, this will be awesome. We'll do this little ash can. We'll put it out for Christmas. Um, so we're hoping that that, uh, that comes to fruition this year.
1: The trick you got to do is, though, you got to make sure you get it out before Christmas.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: I, I always tell the Grant Morrison story. He did a book called Klaus, and yeah. it was for Boom Studios. And he put the first issue out in, in December. The yeah. last issue came out in May. Yeah. And I think I was the only one still buying the comic at that point because I don't think people want Christmas <laughs> comics in May. So now what they do, and this is a really interesting thing, what they do now with that book, they do like a single issue thing, and it's always the Wednesday before Christmas that it hits.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: And it's, that's And I'm so in the mood for that. And that's, I, every time it comes out, I go, Christmas, Christmas. It's not Christmas unless I get a Klaus something. <laughs> and so we, Well, I,
0: this it, year it'll have to be a Good Boy something rather.
1: That'd be good. Good boy Christmas yeah, or something like that. Exactly. Very fun to see. Cause um, <laughs> I always wondering what dogs think of Christmas because, you know, suddenly all this stuff that's going up and they don't get what it's all about and they don't get usually getting much in the way of presents and stuff. I just yeah. sort of curious what they, when they look at Christmas, what we, do they really think?
0: about. Yeah, we do have, we had the working story right now is pretty funny. And it's sort of based around this idea that like, you know, everybody to a dog that's not, their family unit is the ultimate enemy, right? Like my dogs, you know, my wife will share like uh, this, this meme with me every time the dogs go crazy because there's some woman walking her kid out outside, you know, the dogs are like to war. Like we're all like rushing the front door. Cause we're just, you know, we're going to destroy this person. Um, so I always thought it was fascinating that like, you know, at Christmas you have this jolly character that comes down your chimney and is like, by all accounts, like a really scary looking individual to a dog. He's big, mm-hmm. he's bearded, he's got all this bright clothes on. Um, so, you know, Santa might have to contend with, uh, with, with a dangerous German shepherd this year.
1: That'd be fun. It'd be fun. Cause yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, I, I, when I, when they're young kids, young kids would put them on Santa's lap and they sit and cry for half an hour because they don't know what the heck this is. And then, you know, I remember when I was young and I, I, Halloween would come, I'd hide behind the chair because all these people in costumes would come <laughs> in the house. Yeah. And so for me, I'm kind of like, what does a dog really think of this? I'm just sort of be curious <laughs> to find out. What It'd be fun to see what Flint thinks of it because it's a whole other world that he's in yeah. on Christmas. So Absolutely. So, okay, so it's likely, based on what you're saying, that January is when we'll see the first issue of Good Boy Volume 3. All right, so that'll be good to, to get, we'll get that going, so... Of course, you have to work ahead of that. So you're probably already, like you said, you're writing volume three already because you yeah. gotta. People think that comics just magically appear out of nowhere. And, and you just snap, you're like Thanos, you snap it's, your fingers. And dude, something it's happens. the
0: most stressful part of making comics is like, you know, we make a thing and then we have to wait, you know, three to five months to try and like see if people like it. You know, like we have. To right. We have to. Sorry, my dog was freaking out uh, in the background. Um, you know, we have to wait so long to try and and see if people like them. Uh, and and in the meantime, we're making more of them. You know, so it's like you're like when the first issue finally comes out after you've been finished with it for six months, and you're like, oh, thank God, like people people like the book. We like all the rest of this wasn't a
1: waste. I you know, it's always. A huge- I'm always curious. I I was something I always wanted to ask a comics creator. You do this stuff in solitude, you know. It's it's just you by yourself writing, or and then of course your other creators get involved, and you all love it, and hopefully get other uh, response as well. But then you got to wait for the world to see it, and that that part of you is out there, kind of naked, for the world to see, and you worry that. You know, people are going (laughs) to laugh at you being naked out there like that instead of enjoying it. Exactly.
0: Luckily, we have a very uh, robust and supportive community of fans for Good Boy that that's never really a concern of mine because we have constant reassurances that people are like, when is more coming? Like, we need more. Give us more. And it's it, a huge source of fuel, creative fuel for, for me and Christy and Kit and everybody, um, you know, because we generally just want to give people more all the time.
1: That's so, when you've got them, when, you, when they come back and they want more. Um, I help out with a certain indie comic, and we were at the New York Comic Con selling that. Yeah. And we sold this teen, uh, teenage boy a, a copy with his father. And yeah. they went back home, and you know, we were there the next day, and they, supposedly they only were going to be there on that one day. And then all of a sudden, we look out in their back and said, well, you're back. And he said, he read this book, and he had to have the next issue. <laughs> and I, I turned to the, the creator and said, we've got him." Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's when you it. know you've got a job. Was you, you, You've you done your job when, when they come back and they want more. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So are you working on other things or is good boy keeping you busy right now?
0: No, we've got, uh, I've got, I think three or four books coming out over the next 12 months. Um, I, uh, I'm doing a book with Kit Wallace right now. That's currently in previews. It's called little red Ronan. Um, it's a it's a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood set in feudal Japan with a town of
1: red pandas. I thought um, that, when I saw that. i said read <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood.
0: <laughs> and uh, we're also we've got a book that just was successfully funded on Kickstarter called We Eat Gods. Um, it's an all ages book. I like to tell people it's like Terminator beats Wally. Um, it's uh, about this adorable robot named Ray's, who's uh, what we call a God Eater Droid and uh, he's part of a, f- a fleet of droids that were designed to bring humanity back from extinction after the God war. Um, it's uh it's a lot of fun. It's, I don't work on all ages stuff a lot, um, but it's such a great palate cleanser to like come back. And like, you know, a lot of people are like worried about working all ages. They're like, God, how do you, you know, how do you make sure and keep it, you know, not, you know, when you're used to doing things that are, you know, violent and crazy and bloody and profane and everything else, you know, like to me, like it's easier to do all ages stuff sometimes than it is to actually do mature stuff. So it's a really nice, uh, it's a really nice thing to come back to something like weed gods and say, okay, like, let's make something for the kids. Like, let's make something for everybody. Like, you know, not everybody wants dogs shooting, uh, Shooting guns all the time.
1: Well, the um, thing, to, thing to do, of course, is to not talk down to kids. And yeah, I mean, absolutely,
0: you 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 let kids read up to you. You don't write down to kids,
1: right? And and too, yeah. too many people write down to kids. That drives me nuts. Yeah. You know what? I I like to read all ages stuff. I don't think all ages. See, people see all ages and decide that's kids stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's really not. Like, yeah. I mean, technically, The Hobbit is a children's book. Like, Absolutely. Like, and and a lot of the content is not you know kiddie stuff like you're dealing with really like serious themes you know i think that kids un- or people underestimate like what kids understand and what you know like speaks to them um and i'm lucky that i have i have a 10 year old and a six year old and they are a constant <laughs> gauge of what is cool uh and what is interesting you know Uh, so they give me a pretty good strike zone to try and hit, uh, between the two of them.
1: That's good because I, you know, Grimm's fairy tales were supposed to be warnings for children. Yeah. Cautionary tales. And you read those (laughs) things. And let me tell you something. When I was a kid and they used would read that to me as a kid, I was terrified.
0: Dude. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. And we're like, oh, it's just, you know, Hansel and Gretel we're like <laughs> <Yeah>. bro no <laughs> like, this is scary they
1: get, stuff they get eaten by the witch
0: these people <laughs> like this is nuts
1: uh, you know and and i always get a kick out of that don't talk down to kids kids are a lot smarter than than we yep. get for them.
0: absolutely
1: well okay so those are going to be coming and stuff if people want to keep up with the stuff you're doing is there someplace on social media they can do that
0: Absolutely. They can uh, follow me on all social media platforms. I'm at some writer guy. If you can't remember who wrote it, I don't know. Some writer guy, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything.
1: So. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> do you have a website by any chance?
0: Uh, I don't, but uh, now, uh, you know, now that I work for SourcePoint point proper, uh, you can basically follow anything I do on sourcepointpress.com. That's a whole I-
1: Garrett gun section. And well, since I saw you at Megacon, are you going to other cons this year?
0: Yeah, I'm going to be at Dallas Fan Expo this weekend. uh, And then like two weeks after that, I'll be at Denver Fan Expo. uh, And then I've got, uh, I'm doing a Cancer Share Voices Against Cancer in Sioux Falls, um, South Dakota on July 9th uh, with a ton of other awesome creators, voice actors, everything. Uh, And then I'll be at C2E2, New York Comic Con, everything. I'm all over the place, man.
1: Well, if I know SourcePoint Press, every con I've gone to, they're at. So they are going to be, yeah. they likely every yep. place. In fact, I've, I've run into We'll distance. be there. <laughs> you guys always have booths uh, every place. And <laughs> that's honestly, good. the good news is, is I come across you guys' booth after I've, I've looked at everything else, and I still have money left. So I get yeah. to buy some stuff. <laughs> well,
0: that's good. We appreciate it.
1: Because I uh, Frank Ogle, I've I met him at New York Comic Con, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, it was Baltimore, I think it was. So, yeah. So I meet all these people, and I really, I'm always interested in. in I'm always going around like like we were at, at MegaCon, looking for people who I can talk to, have interesting sure. stuff and and good product that people should know more about. Right, <laughs> know. And that's <laughs> well, what I'm always doing.
0: Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time to to you know talk about our silly little comic book.
1: That's it for this week. Be back next time when we'll have another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.